Welcome to Surprise Multiplier. Today, we're starting something a little bit different. John and I invited Ozzy to join us as a part of doing a mentoring session, live and with people that we want to see over time. People that we've met, people that we come in contact, and people that we want to see and watch them grow. We want to expose what we do in our offices from year to year to everybody as much as possible, and hopefully have a good time while doing it. Today, we have Shane with us, who's going to come give us a little preview of who he is. But first, I want to talk to the people that are going to be doing this podcast and introduce you to Ozzy. Ozzy, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're going to be a co-host with me and John. Why don't you tell us what you've been up to? Yeah, well, I'm not sure it was a smart move to sign up for this, but uh, we're going to have a good time. <laughs> uh, Ozzy Monroe, Jeremy, and John and I go way back. Um known each other for years. When they approached me with this idea, I was super excited to jump on this opportunity. I'm looking forward to this. Hopefully we don't screw Shane up too much. And uh, I think it's going to be fun. So John, what do you think about our, our new little sub-segment uh, mentoring or whatever we got to come up with a better name for it? But um, but it's a little more serious than we, you know, we normally would do. But what are you thinking? Yeah, you know, I, I I think for a long time, uh, one of the one of the ways that uh, uh, Ozzy, Jeremy, and myself uh, met originally, I think, was uh, at least early in my in my career, and I got to uh, warm up close to the older gentleman on the on the podcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. To be completely honest, this this is actually when we were originally starting the podcast when we talked about some of the things we want to do. This was one of the, one of the segments that I truly, uh, look forward to because, uh, seeing, seeing a team, seeing a person grow, uh, is really what I'm about. You know, I'm, I'm in the software development, uh, industry, but in reality, it's, uh, once you get to a certain level of managing, it turns into seeing people grow and seeing teams grow. And yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to Shane, uh, you know, many of our, uh, our conversations and hopefully the advice that we give you. I mean, it's worked so far for the three guys on here. So uh, I think that's a pretty good uh, track record. Yeah, I mean, you, Shane, you used to be in, you did a little bit of time in Major League Baseball. What's that, like 300? Th I don't know. What's the, the batting average for three people that are successful taking their own advice? <laughs> successful? I'd say, yeah, if we got a 300 between the three of you guys, I, I'd, I'd take some batting tips from you guys. Let's let's swing at some balls. I'm down. <laughs> So why don't you tell us a little about, about yourself, Shane? Yeah, for sure. So I was born uh, in Northern California. I'm 23, uh, recently fresh out of college. I used to say I was a new grad, but I guess as of May this year, that term no longer yeah, you're still applies. a new grad. Still counts, I think. But uh, yeah, it's all, all through high school, I was kind of a one-track mind. I'm going to go into medicine. Ended up taking AP Computer Science my senior year. I was like, oh, damn, I really like when the terminal prints out what I wanted the terminal to print out. That's like, that's a fun, that's a fun little, feeling. I live my life by those words. I know you get that. just that little next hit of dopamine when it's the right string that comes out. Um, and so, yeah, just been kind of chasing that high ever since and, uh, ended up kind of realizing that I missed it, that summer transition from high school to college. And so I was actually, um, uh, a full bio major at Hopkins going in. Uh, and so I basically emailed Johns Hopkins, which was the college I was going to. And I was like, Hey, listen, I would love if you could switch my major to computer science. Like, it's just, what's interesting to me. Um, and they were like, yeah, here's like four math tests that you have to take now. <laughs> I'm like, cool. <laughs> so you so, were, so were you pre-med before you, uh, you, you switched your major? I was pre-med into college, actually. It took me a full two years before I realized my brutal mistake. Um, but basically, I was backpacking at the time um, through Europe, as one does when they're young and have just graduated from high school. And so I wasn't really thinking about placement exams or choosing college classes. And so I missed out on a lot of college classes my freshman year, not in terms of computer science, but in terms of my pre-med requirements. 
And so I had to stay that next summer and take uh, the beginning of the chemistry ladder there. Um, and so I was taking intro chem one and two. And so met a lot of postbacks because that was the only people that would be taking those classes at that time of year. Ended up meeting with them, talking with them. I think in my head, I knew that the undergraduate system wasn't the be all end all of my education, but it kind of took a little bit of time for that to actually be ingrained and meeting these people and seeing so many people that were motivated to go back to school and really pursue something they were passionate about. I was like, okay, I think I can put this medical thing kind of on the back burner for my primary interest, which currently is computer science. And so it took me until my sophomore year to realize that. You graduated in 2022 or 2023? 2022. So did COVID had anything to do with kind of your change in uh, major? I, I have a lot of family and friends that were in the nursing profession or were looking to go into the nursing profession. And that was actually a pretty big point for them to make a, a career decision change. Yeah, I don't think it fully contributed to the decision because I already pulled like literally a month before COVID. January of, of 2020 was when I when I pulled out. But I think it certainly reinforced that decision. I was still a little bit on the fence. I was like, well, I mean, worst case, I just have to take biochem and orgo too. And then I get like the check mark that I'm pre-med. Um, and then, yeah, COVID hit and I just kind of shut that door completely at that point and was like, okay, we'll revisit this in a couple of years now. I definitely can see the impact and all these things, and I'm very happy with my decision. So it definitely reinforced it. I don't know if it was necessarily a contributing factor to what it was. Yeah, I think, you know, what's interesting about uh, my career is I've worked, all of us have worked with people that run all different um, uh, majors, career paths, and all ending up in software you know, that's where we all met each other in a software development company. And I can safely say that the most successful and the best people that I've worked with did not go uh, to college for computer science. Yeah, so, that's, that's, that's a, that's a key point for me. And I, I know we've talked about that a little bit. Um, I graduated high school and went right to the air force and then got done with four years of service and started working at Bloomberg at that point. And it's something that I dealt with over the years, low self-esteem for, you know, you're up against all of these college educated individuals. And I put myself a notch below these individuals. And then, you know, over time I started to realize, uh, actually funny story was with Jeremy and another individual that we worked with. Um, I've always thought very highly of them um, and they revealed to me that neither one of them went to, went to college. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And that started to sort of shift my thinking about myself. So I think that's, you know, to talk about the, the various paths and, and the different paths to how we got to where we are. I think it's a, it's a very, very interesting point that we're all here, you know, in technology. I'm also interested in Shane in that, that flip. And, and you say that flip, you, you like, I saw the terminal did what I wanted. I got the output I expected. Um, that's very different than me. It's the, the, the eternal being angry at the terminal for not doing what I expected. <laughs> it was the repetitive chance of me failing and constantly trying to figure out what the fuck did I just do wrong? Why isn't doing what I expect? And of course it's always my mistake in the end. Um, but mine is always that, that it not working and going to fix it. Um, but when that happened for you and when that, that, that it kind of clicked and it became like, Hey, this is something I want. What was it that, that you really clicked for you? Was it the output? Was it the, the process? Was it the producing something? Was it the, oh my God, there's unbelievable power here. I can see it. Um, was it the draw of money? Cause you like, I know people like the, what, what was that Paul pull for you? Yeah. Um, I think to kind of link those last two things we've been talking about. I think when people kind of get into computer science purely for that draw of money, it is just a lucrative field. That's when you start to get like the college educated people that are coming out maybe a little bit less passionate about what they're wanting to be doing. And they're the ones that aren't maybe like, as you said, like the ones that got into coding and technology and stuff without going to college are like the ones that have a very obvious pure passion for this thing and will like t try and get at it and any means necessary. And so I think I am lucky enough and in a privileged enough space that like, I think whatever career path would have been sustainable for me 
which is which is not for like a case for everybody. So I was lucky enough that I think like financial consideration, I've always been interested in STEM. And so if I'd gone into the medical field, it would have been just just as um, much financially. Um, and so I think a lot of it was sort of that right place, right time of the right people in your life motivating you with something that you said like are generally okay at naturally and then fostering that uh, passion. I had a couple good teachers. My I was taking Calc 3 at the time, my senior year of high school. And so uh, with learning about like derivatives and integrals and all these things, he was like, where, where do we see this? Like, why are we learning this stuff? Like, where is sort of Calc 3 coming into play? And he was like, you know what? Why don't we look at neural networks? Like, it's basically like, you, like we can show mathematically what a neural network is. And at that point, I didn't know how to code. I had been coding for two weeks, but I was like, this is really cool. Like, this is something that I'm seeing in multi multiple classes. I'm getting interested. It's like breaking edge technology. And then at the same time, my uh, coding teacher was like, yeah, let's like make a 2048 replica um, using like J frames. It was like the most absolutely convoluted <laughs> jank, like fucking piece of like software I've ever written. <laughs> but Good. I like went all out. Like I instead, I, I added animations, which wasn't even like a thing. It was just, I loved having an object that I could point to and show to people and be like, I, I put hours into this and made this. I've told friends recently, I don't necessarily think that I got into software because I loved software, but I like making things. And I think that in, in my space that uh, the most easily accessible point of engineering for me, I didn't have to buy a drill. I didn't have to have a thing. I already had a laptop. I already had the tools for free. Um, and so that was why coding sort of was that first sort of step into that. That's actually really useful for what I'm trying to understand about you is because I see all types. I see people that are money motivated and they do really, really well. Um, I also see people that like to produce things and in the, the ability with software to produce something at scale that you just, it's amazing at how much you can accomplish with some of these programs. Completely understand that. And now when you're looking at your career, are you looking to build stuff? Are you building, are you looking to add things on to other people's stuff or do you want to invent things? And, and that, that would be an interesting discussion for me about who you want to be is, do you, do you take something that's, or do you want to build something new? You want to add on top? Do you want to expand? I'm just trying to understand what you like. Yeah. So I think the way I'm kind of thinking about my career right now, and you guys can let me know if you mm -hmm. think that this is like a, a successful or failing mindset in this. But I've kind of split it into two different things, especially coming out of college into a recession. I kind of have my short term goals with my career and then my longer term goals. And I think that's a very natural way to split it. But I think the maybe the different case with this is that I'm thinking about them almost as two entirely separate goals and, and like they have different motivations, different whatever. Currently, I'm trying to land a full time software position so that I can then leverage that maybe in the future. Maybe I end up really liking it. But to get to a place where I feel like I'm no longer in this weird transient period in between college and and working on something, to get to a point in my life where if I want to then move to a startup and start building things, if I want to invent something, if I want to start my own company, I have the ability to do that. Um, and so that's sort of step one. And then step two, if I'm looking like farther out, the thing that I've already loved, always loved about computer science is that uh, I can just make personal projects. Like my la latest one, I was looking um, at the Hawkeye technology. I don't know if you guys have looked into that company at all, but they basically do uh, the computer vision for all American sports at this point, basically. So that's like MLB, that's uh, as of 2023, the NBA. It's basically player tracking, ball tracking, stuff like that. And I thought that that was a super cool idea. And my brother's a game designer. And I thought that with the massive rise of esports and stuff, that would be a really cool integration. So I was building a little um, computer vision bot to track over some like popular video game called Valorant. And I thought that was just like a super interesting idea. And I normally go down these rabbit holes and build something and then sort of like leave it be for a little bit and then like complete it years later or just like leave it on the GitHub. But, uh, I just really like doing that. So I feel like that's probably where I want my longer term goals to go, to be in a position where I can sort of be making those decisions on what I want to be making as opposed to just uh, do 
as opposed to like being told what new features to add, even yeah. though that's like currently kind of what I'm aiming for to be doing. Because I really do enjoy that uh, at this moment. Just maybe long-term fulfillment that like that's not where I want to be. The breaking it up for short-term and long-term, I personally, I don't think that's weird at all. I've always sort of managed my career in like, and my life period in sort of these increments. Like it, it never really goes longer than five years. Um, but then there's always a, a longer term goal for me. So, and that longer term goal for me doesn't, for me, it doesn't have to be defined. It doesn't have to be that I want to get to a certain position. For me, it's just always ascending, always climbing and making sure that I'm, I'm making forward progress. And that's sort of my long term. And I, it, for me, that's nice because I leave it open-ended, right? I, can, I leave, it could be multiple paths where I end up, but you know, there is a short term and a long term and those things, they don't always have to be in sync together, um, you know, on the same track. Sometimes they will drift a little bit apart and sometimes they, they often align. And, and I don't think that's a, a weird way to look at it at all. Yeah. I, you know, uh, one of the best things about this particular, um, career choice is that you really can throughout your life change what industry you're in, what sector you're in, but still Let's do software development, what you like, love, right? If you wanted to work in something like computer vision uh, at Hawkeye, definitely take those skills and apply them. Many different areas doesn't just need to be sports, right? But then maybe, maybe later you want to do video game development, or maybe later you want to start a uh, company where you have to now build a functional web product. It's a completely different experience, each one of those, but you're still using kind of the tools and the, everything you've learned throughout your, your uh, career. I, I would even expand that, John. There's, there's so many other sort of subfields that you can get into. It doesn't just have to be software development. There's so many other technology fields. You know, there's, there's definitely a crossover between, you know, technology and security all the time, as you guys can attest to, because um, you've both experienced that sort of switch over. Um, so I think you can move from software development to, to another sort of field and within many, many industries, industries, as John stated. Yeah. And, and, the uh, you know, I, I would, I would kind of press that, um, in my career and I think each of the other gentlemen, uh, we've, we've even within the same company changed what we do enough that, uh, you kind of realize that, wow, I'm in a large company, but I, I just changed teams and my domain, my, my uh, kind of focus for my job completely is different. And now you get an opportunity to take the, the things that you've learned, you know, tools of the trade, software development. And I think what you'll learn is that as you, depending on the track you decide to go in your career, product development, um, you know, uh, something deep like distributed systems or some focused, uh, uh, cutting edge, I would say, uh, uh, in, in regards to like building technology for technologists, or if you do research and maybe you're going to do, you know, something computer vision, each of those, you bring along different soft skills too. So in, in a research position, you know, it's going to be very focused, uh, on, on solving the problem, but you're going to have to generally write a paper about it. You're going to learn a, a, bu a bunch of things and just on how to do research. In the game development, you're going to learn a whole lot about, um, you know, uh, how to build uh, and test so many different, uh, uh, what is it, conditions at runtime because you have different, you know, televisions, you have different controllers, you could be in different resolutions. Now you have to check it to see all the different characters, all the permutations. You're going to learn a whole lot about uh, how, how to make sure that, you know, how to find bugs and, and more importantly, how to, you know, build these things fast in some cases. Uh, and then in, in the product development space, it's, it's, it's the difference, but it's working with people, right? It's not really software development that, that is the hard, in my opinion, the hard skill to learn. It tends to be the people. How do you interact with the customer? How do you interact with internally with business stakeholders? Are you going to have to like sit with a customer and listen to support calls? You should, as, a, as anyone in a product development organization, you should understand how people are uh, failing and you, at using your software and what they're actually asking you to fix. But 
the cool thing is if you really like building software and it sounds like you do, you can really do whatever you want and integrate what you like into your job. I think that's an important segue into where are you at? Where are you in this transition? You've transitioned out. You, like you said, you've hit that, that point a couple of times. Where are you? Is it going? It doesn't sound like I, I'm picking up. It's not going in the direction you want or in the velocity you want, but where are you sitting? Is it working? Is it not working? What are you looking to do? Where, where are you at right now? Yeah. So graduated May of 2022. Uh, I turned down uh, an offer at a consulting company. I was going to be based in a city that I didn't necessarily want to be in, and it wasn't exactly the role that I was looking for. I wanted to be more on like a startup or product-based uh, team at that time, and I still do. Uh, most of my experience up until now has been full stack and machine learning, so I'm either working as like a mobile full stack dev or contractor, or I'm working as an AI engineer. Which, let me um, pause you for one second. Those are two yeah. completely different things. <laughs> it's tougher to it. <laughs> It's either, yeah, it's either messing around with random Python libraries or yeah. making heads and tails of random React architectures. So there's not a whole lot of overlap <laughs> in terms of what I'm doing day to day. Kind of, but... <laughs> you know, honestly, if you're kind of a unicorn. They're, you know, you don't often find people that do those things. <laughs> yeah, I think, honestly, it just stemmed from like I yeah like as I said I turned that job down and I had a year uh where I basically gave myself 12 months I'm like you have to find a new opportunity that could be a job that could be a contractor role that could be an internship but you have 12 months for the next step whatever that is and so that was like kind of the time frame that I gave myself because I find that is what motivates me best um and so I just spent a lot of time it's like I should learn how like how to just fully build up a website or 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 whatever and so i learned flask with python because i was doing a lot of machine learning as i was ending uh college and so did a lot of that type of stuff and then was like what is a better framework to use for web dev and everybody was just like use the mean stack use the mern stack just react <laughs> wow. react react and so <laughs> so do you know I, what the m is in the mean stack jeremy manga yeah we can't talk about this but keep going <laughs> <laughs> and so i uh learned a little bit about both of those um and all this time was just applying to job after job after job but i don't know if you guys remember back in august september of, of uh of 2022 if there there weren't a lot of job offers <laughs> going around there were quite a few headlines back then about tens of thousands of employees being laid off uh so the the slim pickings for entry-level positions I'm sure it was difficult at all levels, but as someone who was looking for the entry-level positions, the only ones you found were months old. Um, and so it was it was frustrating. And as someone who was kind of new into the job market, I was trying to figure out how to apply for jobs. Not like I'd apply to internships and such before, but how to apply to jobs was a different kind of methodology for me. And I didn't really know exactly how to tackle this thing and and figure out where the jobs were was just an extra step being added on to an already difficult problem that I was facing. And so ended up through dumb luck <laughs> getting uh, the MLB thing. I wrote some stuff about how I was a Giants fan when I was a kid and how I like coding now. And I was like, this sounds good. Let Bring me on. I'm down. And uh, yeah, they ended up saying yes. And I ended up uh, meeting one of your guys' old coworkers. Um, and then another one of your guys' old coworkers, which is how we got in contact. Um, but yeah, and then had that experience by the time that I got out, I was much more hireable with like a very solid internship under my belt and sort of coming into a little bit more of a healing market. And so since then, it's been pretty much on the up and up. I think since I've gotten out of that internship, I've had like four or five uh, second round technical interviews, which is three more than I had in that entire first year. And I don't know if that was my unhireability or whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's felt, it's felt much better. It feels good to be wanted, I guess. <laughs> when, when, when this is all over, Shane, remind me to show you my, my Nike dunk San Francisco giant, uh, sneakers. <laughs> oh, wait, that's so sick. I would love to see yeah, that. Yeah, they are sick. I'm not a San Francisco giants fan. I just like the colors of the, the sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
Well, yeah, let me ahead. ask some questions. Like, so you, you, you're feeling much more, it sounds like you're feeling pretty positive right now, but it was like, it was a little, little bumpy after the transition, the, the tech market got a little rough. Um, but you're feeling like there's some good, good, good threads to pull on and things are moving forward. How are those going? Is there like, like, is there anything like you're looking for advice on? The reason why I'm trying to make this about you, trying to pull it out of you is what can we do for you? And I need to, he I'm, I'm trying to hear like, where are you problems? Do you think your resume is getting up? But it sounds like it's working. How are the interviews yeah. going? Are, are, how are you preparing for them? Like, do you need help with those? Because I mean. I'm sure that me and John and Ozzy could give you a whole lot of fun interview questions if you really <laughs> want to go go through the gamut. Um, but we want to, what can we do to help you? What are you seeing as struggles? And then we can morph that when all kinds of tangents and lefts and rights. And that's, yeah. that's I think, short-term and long-term mm -hmm. goals as well. Sweet. Yeah, I think my first one, just because it's been so relevant to me the last like two weeks, I've been doing a lot of technical interviews. Uh, I think I come across as a relative, like the normal order, I guess, for, for those who aren't going currently through a lot of interviews or are just about to start that process is you normally have like a coffee interview, which basically just means they will call you on your phone and there's no video call and you talk for 15 minutes. And so there's that. And that's basically, are you a serial killer? The call <laughs> and they make the decision there, whether they think you're a freak or not. And then you get through to the next round and if you get through the next round, typically that's the technical. Um, and so that's typically where I'm kind of falling short. I think luckily I don't come across as a serial killer after 15 minutes, which is good. That's a good, that's and a then, positive. That's yeah. a positive. You guys don't need to work on that. That's a freebie for you guys. <laughs> I'm going to reserve my right to judge. Oh, that's fair enough. <laughs> no, uh, but I get to the technical interviews and then I just sort of don't really know exactly how to prepare. Mm. Obviously there, a lot of them are different, but I guess. This is kind of a, a boring question, but just like, how would you guys like leak code advice? Like, what what am I doing in order to be as best prepared for this? Should I go over my old data structure notes? Like, what what is the what is the best sort of method of attack? I I, I I'm going to be honest, and I'm gonna say the code is less important than the person you're talking to. You need to figure out how to engage the person. So when you're mm -hmm. doing a leak code. Just and you're doing the code problem. If the person's not interested, you need to find a way to get them interested in the conversation, and then you can talk about. Then you can talk through your problem thinking with them. Extract requirements and use cases from them. How are they doing it internally? In the questions and banter and understanding of the person, is just as important it's, as the question. It's more important. So here's the thing. Like, I would agree, but yeah. I mean, not with every, not with everybody. I'm gonna, unfortunately, I'm gonna give you my. I have a lot of anxiety over software development questions, and it tends to be because of all of the. It's because I overthink things, and and my mind never stops, especially when I know I'm gonna do a technical question. I have to go and you know I have to prepare. I gotta do lead code forever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I built a lot of software, and. Scary enough, Scary. it runs in a lot of places that it probably shouldn't. So, you know, I've I've learned over the years to to rely less on the straight up software development. Uh, you know, uh, how to what's the most optimal way to you know to sort of string or you know uh, implement a hash a hash function or a hash map or you know a binary tree. Like, these are all things that uh, it's 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 kind of a it's a moment in time for you that once you get past two, your, your first two jobs, or even the first job, if it's a th two or three years, you're going to get much more uh, interviews with more substance. Interviews like what Jeremy just talked about. And yes, there's going to be the software development portion of that interview, but you need to engage with the people that are on the other side. And unfortunately, a phone call, because it is a lot more difficult to interview over the phone than in person. Because if you're really good at doing what Jeremy just said, it's gonna, you're going to feel better about the team you're joining. And, and you're going to get to a point where just by having that conversation, you might realize you don't want to work at the place. And yeah, I think I, the problem I've actually been running into is a lot of these technical, they give you, they basically are using like uh, COVID technologies where it's screen recorded records your face locks you out of your browser and then you would just silently in your room for two and a half hours 
doing leak code problems essentially, but like with a lot more risk, I guess you could say. Yeah, that, that's ridiculous. And that is- sorry, because I've written software since I was nine years old. And as a developer at all points in my career, I have a friggin' web browser open. And now it's, now it's, you know, GitHub Copilot and uh, automatically documenting, you know, uh, IDE. So no developer, if, if, if they are not using a, a search engine and, and everything and tools uh, to help them be a better developer, I, honestly, I, I, I want to fire them. Yeah, I was talking. I was in a in a bar with our with our mutual friend, actually, yeah. <laughs> who who might be on this podcast at some point. Uh, and uh, I was talking with him, and I basically said, I think the ability to be handed a problem and be able to figure out a solution to it is a more important technical skill than yes. knowing yes. the entire yes. Like, yes. Python yes. like yes. grammar system. And then this dude from across the bar walks over to us and is like, I disagree. <laughs> and no I, we way. Like, Hello. Hello, Wait sir. A second. He's like, some he's random like, That's person just... Some, yeah. <laughs> from across the bar. In New York City. Yeah, in New York City. Walks from across the bar. He's like, that is the worst take I've ever heard. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not saying you don't know how to code. I'm just saying I want to give you... I want to say, hey, I found this cool technology. Put it into my mobile app and not have you go... I can sort this thing with quick sort though. Stump the chump is what these are. It's yeah. another form of stump the chump. Oh wow. Stumping the chump is not fun. And we want like if you can't interact with your team as a junior person, that's what needs to happen. You're gonna work with junior people, senior people, and more important than knowing how to do a, a some optimal O one implementation yeah. of a linked list is can you ask a good question? Can you do research before you do and then come back into it? Unfortunately, I can't change the entire world yet. I'm trying. I'm working on that. <laughs> um, you like there is nothing wrong if they're going to do those like those kind of interviews to stand up and go like, yeah. this isn't a place I want to be a part of because they're looking for people to abuse for three years, let them become enough at time in the industry and let them go and then not pay and then pay the next batch for three years. And- you know, I, I want to be uh, sympathetic because I know we're telling you this and you're looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Like it's <laughs> it's a hard thing um, to kind of tell you. But, the- but, it, but there is something to be said about standing up and saying a couple times, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah. This isn't, you, yeah. Yeah. you can't know anything about me from this and I'm not going to gain anything by giving you my time. I'm going to go back and I'm going to go find a company that's actually going to have a conversation with me. And I know that sounds so hard to do because, hey, but it is worth it. And don't waste your time on companies like that. There's plenty of other ones out there. It's, I, I sort of equate it to back in my early days of my career, people used to say, listen, don't, don't worry about the money. Don't chase the money. The money will come. And I always had a hard time accepting that early in my career. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, of course going to chase the money yeah. like you know, the money's important right but then once you settle into a groove you realize that you know you do much better for yourself when you when you're not chasing the money so it's a hard thing to accept now but like what jeremy and john said you know the most important thing is that those places are not places you probably want to work right so you make that the priority and and like jeremy said you know gracefully bowed and bow out and say you know, this is probably not the place that's fit for me right now. Yeah, right now, yeah. That, see, that's the that's the thing I think it's important. Uh, it, the answer is always right now because when you're, you're at a different point in your career, you you might be wanting to do something else in that organization. So it's always about the gracefully bowing out. Yes. Yeah. 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 You don't mean to burn all the bridges as I leave. <laughs> Just to send a bunch of no. rude emails to recruiters. Sometimes it feels really good, and I know you really want to do it, <laughs> but. <laughs> But how are you finding, uh, is that the majority of the interviews you're getting? Is it just a numbers game is what you're perceiving is that you're getting in there and it's this repeat pattern? Um, is it because, and I'm, the reason why I'm asking this, do you see a pattern? It's that that's just what you're getting people responding to, or is that what you're gravitating towards roles and companies that you think would, are looking for this? 
Um, I think probably a a mix of both because we were 14 months out from my uh, graduation period. And I think at the beginning, I was like, I'm going to find the perfect role. It'll be, it'll be great. They'll, they'll value me. It'll be a perfect like fit for what I want to do. And then as time gone on, it's just been a little bit more of a, a war of attrition almost with myself where my standards keep going down. I applied to this one company and I think this is kind of just like a, a PSA for any young coders out there. There's some companies and a lot of times they're listed $60,000 a year and then you go to their first uh interview whatever you want to call it and it's just a slack call where they're presenting and there's a group of prospective people there and they basically tell you don't ask about salary your salary is going to be sixty thousand dollars you get an extra amount of money if you get put into new york but don't ask any about for anything else and so this company was like you will find out at the end of uh your training period where you're getting paid minimum wage uh, what your city is and if you get placed in new york tough luck you're not going to be saving anything or even surviving probably on a lot of these. And so they're basically just banking on entry level positions being really hard to get right now. Um, and so I've been, I've been honestly, I've gotten, I've done a lot of the interviews over the last two months at, at stuff like that, where it's because they just kind of accept people and it feels like good to like get that, like, congrats, we moved you on to the next round email when you haven't gotten that for for like a, a couple months it's like oh that feels good and so it tends to uh feed into that sense of desperation but i think since the mlb it's been quite a lot bit better where i do have a lot of coming up both of mine next week are like three and a half hour interviews with people good. on calls talking about the company uh, which is honestly maybe even more scary so i'd love to hear your guys' thoughts about that one is uh like a case study and then also going over a coding project that i had to submit and so if you guys have any recommendations on how do i come across as a coding prodigy genius great worker perfect hire person that would be that would be amazing for stuff like that i just before before we get to that i just wanted to ask a really quick question are you focusing on a specific industry or specific industries or are you open wide open uh, so I, the beginning, I was kind of focusing on my interests. Uh, I am a musician, so I was applying to stuff like Spotify and, and things like that. And I was interested in sort of things uh, of that nature. And then I pursued a little bit more of machine learning stuff because I knew that it was such a growing industry, but I couldn't really find a grapple hold there. And so, um, uh, with the last year, my focus on sort of full stack engineering, specifically for mobile and web, I was more um, broadening my net, I guess would be the best way to put it. And so I've been applying to like anything that says software developer, like three or or whatever their lowest one at that company is, uh, has been kind of just, yeah, just trying to get a foothold and be able to get paid to do something that I really enjoy to do has been kind of the main focus so i'd say yeah it's like a very broad net right yeah i would i would love to sort of hear jeremy and john's take on uh, you know i have an opinion but would love to hear their take on should he focus on a particular sort of interest like he's into music should he should he focus on that or or is it or should it be more broad and should he explore other industries I'm always going to go with what you're passionate about because when you talk to a human, the passion's going to come through and then it's just the conversation. Nothing like if I were to talk to you about music and it's what you're passionate about and we can talk about waveforms and doing blah, blah, blah and how to, to remove sounds and uh, profanity from songs in awesome ways. I guarantee your, your care is going to come through at the same time. So always use that to an advantage. Anything you love to do, just keep on showing that passion because it will make the conversation easier. And it makes these stressful situations just fall away. Um, talk to me about hating on MongoDB and I will, the stress falls away and I just talk and talk and talk. Same thing. Um, but I think there's something, you keep on talking about skills and technology and peak companies, but I don't hear any words about networks, peoples, groups, organizations. Do you, are you participating in anything online? Are you participating in any services or are you? meeting people trying to build out your personal network yeah so i would say 
I split my time in between two sort of forms of trying to put myself out there for jobs. One is the LinkedIn quick apply. You just, uh, there's a variety of other services, Glassdoor, whatever. Whatever it is, you have uploaded your credentials and then you're just clicking buttons for an hour and you're sending out X amount. Maybe you write a cover letter for every fourth or whatever. That's one way. And I would say that's like, you're just, you're playing the numbers game at that point. And that's like just very grueling, but it's, Every once in a while, they hit. So it's probably good to at least put numbers out there. And the other one is sort of leveraging. Uh, I am lucky enough to have grown up in Northern California. I am at no loss for human beings who have been in the coding industry since the dot-com era, um, who are now friends with X number of recruiters. And so I can go through my LinkedIn and basically... A lot of times it's like a family friend or like a friend's parent or whatnot um, and basically asking them, hey, listen, do you have any friends that are recruiting? Or what I've been doing recently is I just uh, I think LinkedIn premium is like if you can financially afford it, it's incredibly helpful. You just get unlimited searches. I just go through my network and click on the secondary connections and look for recruiters at companies with mission statements that you find interesting. And so that's kind of the secondary uh, way that I've been tackling it. Um, and so that's been that's been probably the most fruitful one. I think that's how I got both of these opportunities that I'm currently um, working with was basically getting on an email chain with a recruiter. They're much more likely to, to talk to you face-to-face and give you that first interview opportunity chance. And once you're in the pipeline, then it's more... It's it feels less of uh, it's on them to bring you on and more like I just need to prove myself. It feels more in my power once I'm once I can do that. And so I found that that's uh, it's a longer process. I'm normally only juggling about like 10 to 20 of those just because it's like you're emailing two different people, three different people sometimes trying to figure it out. A lot of times people in your life want to call you for an hour and tell you the same information that everyone else has and then get you in contact with people. Um, and so it's just, that's a longer process that I, that I'm going through, but I think it's like the hit rate is just way so much higher that it's like, you can't, I mean, as you guys probably were about to say with this question, like you need to have that network and um, it's super important. Well, let me, let me ask you a really quick question. Uh, would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, I'm uh, definitely an extrovert, which I think is lucky for this podcast or else yeah. I would probably be a little bit terrified. But yeah. No, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a self-proclaimed introvert, but uh-huh. I'm, I'm, a high, I'm a highly functioning introvert. No, I, I ask you that because, you know, it makes the networking a lot easier and networking is, is super important. It's something that I've not done my whole career. I've gotten better at it over the years and I'm doing much better at it now. But networking not only gives you connections to potential um, employment opportunities, but when you build up that network and you're thinking about applying to a certain company, you know, that network can probably give you some advice on the company. And that's important. You know, it's not just the role you're going for. It's the culture that you're going to get into. That's extremely important. And it's, it's very beneficial to have some some insider baseball, if you will, um, on the companies that you're applying to. I think that's, that's a very key point. Um, and you should leverage your network for that aspect as well. Yeah. And I think my college experience was amazing in terms of the education. I did a lot of work and I, I really found a passion in computer science and that passion was able to be maintained over the four years, which not everybody can say, and I'm very lucky to, to have found something that I really, truly enjoy doing. But at that same time, I think, yeah, like even as an extroverted person, I think I almost like have this different side of the same coin. Like I also very much struggled with networking. I found it to be, I was always the person who was like, I just want to connect with people on like a better, like networking felt so fake to me. Um, And to a certain extent, it still does. It is just like talking for the purpose of career betterment, possibly for both of you. Um. And so I just, I just, yeah, for some reason, my heart just couldn't get into it. And so I think because of that, I ended up avoiding a lot of that type of stuff. Uh, Specifically, when you're in college, it's so much easier to network than as a young adult right out of college. 
you have opportunities. There's mixers, there's things. The school provides you opportunities. There's constantly like professors stay after class, talk to their guest speaker for the day like that, like get them on LinkedIn. It's like that's a that's a connection versus now there's not like there's like I guess you could you could find a Facebook group or discords, but those aren't as culpable to keeping you involved they 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 like it's more on you to be reaching out to everybody and so but that's like something that i wish that i had there's zero risk in those forums and because of that nobody considers them people that put themselves out there to actually be contributing much it's showing up in person taking giving a presentation going to the local unix group viewers whatever there is and showing up and talking to people and presenting and putting yourself out there and putting risk in the game is the networking parts that I find more interesting. Um, and I mean that in, in holding the people that you use networking that are your networkers to actually put their name on top of it. Not just saying they're going to put your resume in the pile. No, I want you to put your finger on the scale. I want you yeah. to, and you have to literally ask that by the way, you're like, no, I'm not looking for you to put me into the group. I want you to go to the hiring manager and say, I know this person. He's smart. Yeah. I don't know if he's right for your team, but he's smart. That will go miles further than yeah. here's another resume for your pile. He's a friend of mine, but he gets that all the time. It's a way different statement than somebody comes, I'm putting my name on this. This resume is important. And I'm saying this person's smart. Yeah. Jeremy Rossi says it's smart. Yeah. And, and that's the same thing. So, you know, at my company as well, uh, you know, people, it's, it, it, that doesn't, that doesn't happen as much as people think it does. So when when someone at a company is willing to put their political capital on a name, it better work out. It better work out both ways, right? So it means that it means that the person that actually said that knows that if the candidate they're putting forth, it's just going to drive their political capital down. So that asking for what Jeremy just said, absolutely you should. And, and that's on your you know behalf to understand exactly what you're asking for, right? Look at the company that but you're they, targeting. You know, say, okay, I know you know this person. Could you please reach out? Yeah, that's, that's how I got in contact with you guys, I guess, to a certain extent, is I was working at the MLB and I had a mentor there and I basically asked him, hey, listen, this is what I do. If you have any opportunities, like send them my way. Like I will talk with people that you think I would be a good fit for. I'm putting my trust in you. Like if you could find me something, that would be amazing. And he basically just took me to out to dinner with a like old coworker of his. And then he was like, he's you. Yeah, he's a very outgoing guy. And he just very explicitly was like, you should work with this guy. <laughs> so I didn't need to really tell him to yeah. do anything. But he was... <laughs> very willing to go to bat for me. So I think, yeah, it did make the difference. Like that's, uh, currently I'm a contractor. I don't know if you said this, but currently I'm working as a, a machine learning contractor for this uh, new new web application. So uh, that's how I got that opportunity. It was just like the MLB was a major new influx of networking connections for me in terms of um, people. They provided me a bunch of recommendations to put on my LinkedIn. I look much more hireable. Just the amount of people now that interact with my posts that are like senior engineers that I've worked with is like is is game changing. So it's all very uh, positive only to yeah, as you said, put some skin in the game, put out that risk. So two, I just want to bring up really quickly two important factors. Um, you know, when you said you mentioned that the networking aspect felt a little fake to you, felt a little forced. That's a, that's a long game, right? And if I can tie it back into something Jeremy said, you know, he gave the advice that if you're looking for industries to get into, you know, he leans towards going towards going with your passion, right? So the same thing with looking for networking opportunities, you know, if you find you're into music, you find groups that might have a cross section between music and technology, um, then it becomes easier. Then it's not forced. It's not something where, you know, you feel like, oh, I'm being fake. And then the other point, to John's point, that 
that capital that the individuals, you know, individual or friend might be using to, to, to drop your resume or name with a hiring manager. Listen, that, that one hits home because I don't, I won't refer anyone unless I feel really confident that that person is not going to, not, not going to burn some of my capital and damage my good name. Right. So that all, that also ties into the long game, right? You're putting in time, you're developing, you know, you're developing friendships. You're not developing sort of connections, right? And the more you bring it back to things you really love to do, it's the easier it is. You develop those friendships, you develop those relationships. It's not just all about your subject matter expertise. It's a lot about the soft skills that we talked about, right? People getting to know you, getting to know what Shane is all about. You might be a great technologist, but I don't know you and I don't know if you're going to go into a workplace and, and act like a, a serial killer, like a murderer, right? So I think all of those aspects are really important and, and more often than not, it goes outside of the technology. We've worked with some ghouls. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, they to bring this back to positive, because yes, um, I, I want to kind of come back to a little bit of focus because we got a little bit of time left because we're trying to keep po our podcast to a bounded time limit now. When you do something on LinkedIn, you're generally going through several different filters. They're looking for keywords. They're looking, you know, for it, it's the, it's the, the litmus test of, you know, make sure you're not a serial killer. It's, it's make sure you're not a bot, make sure you're not, you know, um, your fresh meat to put into the machine and the, you need to have a cover letter, right? And it, you know, you want to mention, uh, the things about the role that are specific to you, bring it back. And I, I absolutely think you can use chat GPT yep. to write that, you know, that whole letter, but the part that you're prompting, uh, chat GPT include everything specific to yourself. Tell, yeah. you know, the AI, here's the things about myself I want you to incorporate into the cover letter for the role that, you know, in question. I, I'm, so. I'm going to go against John a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to say, you know, there's a lot of benefit to not using ChatGPT. You know, we talked about a little bit about the soft skills and, you know, oral communication, written communication, are key, especially as your career advances, right? You're not always going to be a technologist. You're going to be at some point a manager, and then you're going to have to start, you know, creating presentations. You're going to have to start writing uh, evaluations for individuals. You're going to have to start, you know, whatever documentation it may be, you're going to have to use that written communication, right? What better way to, to practice that than to write something about yourself, right? Figure out a way to, to, to put together a cover letter that sells yourself in the right way. I think, you know, chat GPT could be a good starter for that. You know, you might plug some stuff in there and it might give you some ideas and then you, you take it from there and you edit it and put your own spin on it. Um, so I'm not hard against chat GPT, but I think there is some value in sort of developing those muscles in your brain. Right. Mm -hmm. And not everybody's a good oral or written communicator. It's something that I had to put a lot of work into over the years. Um, I do a lot of writing now, so I've gotten a lot better over the years. So that's that's sort of my spin on it. Yeah, I'm going to to say, you know, the way I would approach if we fa you found a company that uh, that, you know, rolls open to. And it's definitely a company that, you know, you want to target as a as I want to work there because I like their mission. What Ozzy just said is you, you find the role, you find you go through the whole company, you find the hiring manager, and you make sure you reach out directly to the hiring manager. Three sentences to be interesting. Yes. Three sentences to be interesting. Subject and two lanes. And you but the rest, once once you hook them, you want they're gonna read the whole email. Yes. So you can you can absolutely write, you know, a real conversation to that person. My comment about ChatGPT is specific to if you're doing the assembly line instant click in, inside of LinkedIn to apply, mm, yeah. you do it that way yeah. because you save yeah. yourself time. But if yeah. this is a company that you want to work at, you're targeting it, 
you do the research. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I think, I said two categories earlier, but I think there's like a hidden third category within that first one where it's like the ones that you're sort of just clicking through the open jobs on the portal and you're like, okay, it's not, if one of them responds, amazing. Like, this would be great, but not super pressed. And then there's a couple you're like, oh, this seems interesting. Do a little bit more research, fill that stuff out, reach out to somebody and then leave that on the back burner. Maybe that will get moved into category two where I'm now in contact with a recruiter. Uh, but I still do that at the same time as I'm clicking through, basically just like mass looking at stuff um, at companies that I have no real ability to look up otherwise than on job listing boards. Uh, yeah, so I, I think I definitely tend to do that. But if I knew a company that I wanted to work at, I'm just going to say... Google, just for argument's sake. What I would do is obviously first check my personal network. But assuming that I'm living in the city where this company works, I'd find out where they hang out at night, where they drink at night. I would go and spark up com personal conversations with them. I'd make it my mission to, to at least sell myself to people that I know are working at that company. And then you have that person do what we talked about earlier and put your name on the top of the pile because they met you. So, so you're that guy at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, that's like, um, that's the, that's like the step that I haven't really taken. That might be, maybe that's why it's taken me so long. I don't think everyone needs to do that, but I think if you are, kind of looking down the barrel of, of a, a mini recession and, and all these things right now, like that can be the, the make or break to, to getting a position. What I just said is it, it is only easy in certain cities and certain areas here. Like, like don't yeah, get me wrong. That's kind of what it's, I was thinking. Like I have to go to and, SF and or certain San companies, that, certain companies also. Certain companies also, yeah. that's true. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, you can short circuit all of that by putting the hard work in and building yep. a network. Yes. That is yeah. the way... That is the way to get there. The, the easiest path to that is building that network up, reaching out. You know, you reach out to me, Jeremy or John. Maybe yeah. we don't know personally um, someone at that company, but then we reach out to, you know, a second level of connections, our, our, our connections. And then we might hit on something at that point, right? Yeah. I will be picking through your guys' LinkedIn's later to see what your networks look like. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, um, I won't let these I won't let, let these guys go two hours on this one. Ozzy, <laughs> we're way past Ozzy's bedtime, by the way. <laughs> um, Listen, that's that's not even right. But I don't I don't I don't think we're done, Shane. I think there's a lot yeah. more conversation to go. Um, I think we should kind of give a little kind of quick summation. I think you've got a lot coming up against you in the short a few couple weeks ahead of you right now. Um, and I'd like to say I'm available. Let let me personally reach out. I'm sure John or Ozzy, like, hey, you want a little prep? You want to get a little idea of like do some interview prep with us? Spend some time. Let us know. We're not. We'll put our names in our, the hats. We'll make, we'll do a Zoom. We'll spend some time preparing you. If you're in the area, we'll come down and visit. Um, but I think we can spend some more time coming back to this forum and having another conversation. Um, but I do want to make sure that we're available to you in the meeting time. Like if you're wanting, if you're going to head into a hard interview where you're going to get a lot of software development questions, we'll just throw in John first. Everything will be easy after that. No, <laughs> nobody else is going to be mean. I yeah. might take you up on that. I, I, <laughs> I think I, you should. I definitely will actually. And I also think that that networking portion is something that you, I know how it feels, but these are three people that have a very big network. Um, mm -hmm. We are already putting our name on top of you and we want to continue. So that's part of this whole process. And so let's keep on going with it. Let's learn more about you over the coming weeks um, and however that takes shape and form, but also through this process as your career changes. And hey, uh, when I retire or, and you want to, you, you're like, I, I, I need somebody that knows what they're doing. They're like, I can still do stuff. I can still do stuff. Here's a mop. <laughs> There's something honest about a day's worth of work of mopping. It, yeah, I was, um, so I was, yeah, baristaing while I was basically applying to jobs and, and working as a freelance person. So I was 
cleaning bathrooms at the coffee shop. And then a week and a half later, I was in like on Sixth Avenue in New York. And I was like walking in. I saw someone else cleaning the bathroom in there. And I was just like, damn. It's like, <laughs> it was just a, such a quick switch, I guess. <laughs> and so uh, something is everything. Everybody's here. Success is partially due to luck. Um, but the skill comes from taking it, it is really just taking advantage of when luck ha happens. Um, I didn't go to college. Um, I didn't, I am self-taught and everything. And I just happenstance and fell repeatedly accidentally into a very successful career. Um, but it was a lot of luck, um, right place, right time, but being prepared, using your network, using your friends, using resources like us can make that taking advantage of that luck is easier. So, and, and taking advantage after you get in the door, right? Yeah. After you yeah. get in the door, you have, you have to continue the good work, right? That's, um, I think that was what was breaking so much of my, like, just mental fortitude before getting that internship opportunity where I was just feeling like, I don't, I don't know how to unlock this door. Like, I feel like I have no impetus on the situation. I'm just sending stuff out blindly. And I think a lot of it was just due to the fact that I didn't, um, I think I, if if I had been on this podcast with you guys a year ago, almost exactly, I think it would have been of such a, I, it, I wouldn't have had to be on this podcast now, I guess is kind of what I'm saying. Like, I think it would have been so much more direction-based. I would, would have known what to kind of be doing from the start. Like, I just wasn't leveraging my network for so, so many months and just like unsure of how to do, how to leverage your network post-college if you hadn't spent a lot of time building it and things like that. And so when we're not on air, I'm excited to talk to you guys a little bit more about that. And then um, also like, yeah, the weeks to come, continue updating on stuff like that. And then, yeah, as you said, John can tear, tear me a new one after I send you a little bit of a code that I have to review for this for this project um, inter based interview. So hopefully, hopefully we can cover something like that. And that'll be a great opportunity to just basically have a practice. Round. That'll be very fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Shane, thank you very much. I think we're going to close out for the night. And thank you, everybody. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. Thanks, Ozzy. 